So welcome to the podcast. It's been a while, uh, the SAP HCM Insights podcast. Today I have Jarrett Pazahanik and Luke Marson with me. Hey guys, how's it going? Happy to be here. Hey. Yeah, good. So with, with this podcast, we want to talk about Employee Central Payroll. And Employee Central Payroll has gotten a lot of um, attention in the last couple of years because honestly, the product um, has a lot of good things with it. But also, as customers move from their on-premise SAP HCM or even from a non-SAP platform, when they move on to Employee Central, um, Employee Central Payroll is often the product that is proposed there for payroll, unless you're outsourcing or you could replicate back to your on-prem payroll. Um, part of what's what I've seen in the market as as we uh, move more to Employee Central Payroll is a number of firms have come up with these uh, integration tools um, that will sort of help you migrate your data and your processes and your configuration automatically from your on-prem system into Employee Central Payroll. Because of course, these two platforms are built on the same basis of the SAP Payroll Engine. And so, you know, you can get a tool and there's a number of them and we're not gonna talk about the merits of one tool versus another. Um, but you can get the tools and they copy your data, your config and all that sort of stuff. And it's, that's called lift and shift, right? So you just take whatever you have in on-prem payroll, lift it and shift it onto your employee central payroll. And maybe you make a few tweaks to it. Um, and the nice thing about that is it saves time. It's probably less expensive. Um, and, you know, payroll then doesn't really have to become a critical path to your project. Um, and you know it, it's it's probably easier, I would say. And Jared and Luke, you can argue that with me if you want to. The other end of that spectrum is a reimplementation. So the other end is where you don't have a tool, you don't use a tool to migrate all of that. You take a look at everything, and you have a fresh new implementation of Employee Central Payroll. Of course, that takes more time, right? Time and money, and so. Um, I think that is uh, an option that's not always presented or sort of sold to a customer. Um, but we want to talk about those two sort of options and, and probably, maybe, definitely, there's a lot of gray space in between that we'd li like to explore. Um, so that's setting the stage for that. And um, I guess what I'd like to do is sort of, um, Jarrett and Luke, get your guys' opinions on um, Let's talk about the, the lift and shift approach first. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the details and the merits of that. What are the cases where someone would want to do that versus where maybe they shouldn't? So, um, yeah, Jared, I'll go ahead and open it up to you first for that. And, and Luke, you can follow up and, and add on to that. Sure. Um, I love the topic today. I have payroll uh, running through my blood. So, um... mm things I think at the end of the day is I think in order for the economics to work in a lot of deals where SAP payroll is moving to ECP, you know, lift and shift approach is one that really needs to be strongly considered. Um, I had an opportunity to work with uh, EpiUse and their PRISM tool, uh, with one, the first customer that went live in North America. And, and overall, I found the tool very good. Um, I will say that customers have to um, they have to have the right expectations. And at the end of the day, a lift and shift is a starting point. 
you are actually going to be able to take the things that are working for you today, and you're going to be able to bring those quickly over to the other system. So think of things like wage types. Why would you want to recreate a thousand wage types one by one when you have them now? But then on the other side, you you, you get the eighty percent in your system. You have to make sure that you understand the twenty percent of work that you still need to do, and. And the fact is, is that a lot of people think, oh, we'll lift and shift and we're just going to move on. That doesn't work that way. You still have to do a lot of heavy lifting in complex areas. You still have to have very, very strong consultants, uh, probably even stronger consultants than you would if you were doing it from scratch in some cases. Um, I also think that you want to make sure that you're still doing full, you have to obviously still, still do full parallel testing. And But let me give you some some areas that if you do a lift and shift still need to be looked at. There's a whole series of things you're bringing over from your legacy system that may have changed. There may be new functionality there that supports mm -hmm. um, uh, things that you did another way in the past. Just a good example of like posting taxes, posting to finance. You know, if you implemented 20 years ago, you created rules inside of the schema. And now it's table entries. Um, every customer I do a quality assessment in has their garnishments and taxes wrong. Your taxes and garnishments <laughs> at your organization are wrong trust me um yeah. most companies haven't stayed current with the minimum wages they assume that they you know that that garnishment updates come from the vendor they do not come from the vendor the base was delivered 20 plus years ago it stayed the same um taxes it the the sap doesn't update the um, unemployment wages as far as the wage basis so what goes into it is different by each state Every customer I go into has that set up wrong. So, you know, there's uh, also you have a thousand wage types, a couple hundred of them you haven't used in in, in a year, two years. Mm -hmm. And clean you're not going to use. You, let's mm -hmm. use that as an opportunity to clean up. Now, let's also look at things that you're using today, like claim processing. You're using the old claim processing. Maybe now you want to use the overpayment. I know this is a something that Steve has a sort of a slightly different view on uh, as far as that product in general. But you know, things like do you want to implement the payroll control center on top of it? You know, so so just well, and the answer is yes, you do. Yeah. So don't go in. You know, <laughs> what type of reporting issues have you had for years and years that now you want to change? And let's let's throw another topic out there. Is there certain things that just work today? that aren't going to work in your ECP, EC landscape. And one of the big ones is some reporting. Um, all the data was maybe in your old system if you were SAP, HCM, and SAP payroll. Now your core HR data is an employee central. Not all that data gets replicated over. So in some cases, maybe there was data on your wage type report, wage type reporter or payroll recon that's not being replicated over and you can't get that anymore. Interfaces. Interfaces, do you want interface to pull HR core data from the payroll system, or do you want to rewrite some of your interfaces to pull data mm -hmm. from the proper source? So, you know, I just think that sometimes it gets sold as, oh, it can be a very quick implementation as you do lift and shift. Now, it definitely 100% is quicker than a re-implementation if you're an SAP payroll customer. Mm -hmm. But understand that there is still, you're not looking at, 5% project, you're looking at still 50% work effort, um, even with mm -hmm. a lifting shift. Yeah. Well, those are some great points. Um, Luke, what would you have to add to that? Yeah, I think a lot of what Jarrett says is, is really relevant. Um, no matter what you do, it's not simple and straightforward. 
Um, we work with some customers that understand that. Um, we've worked with other customers who think it is just simple, lift and shift, white, 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 so many hours, but just copying all into a new instance. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. always work like that. And you have to remember that many customers have customized their SAP on-premise payroll, and Employee Central doesn't allow the same level of customization. So there is, mm-hmm. in many instances, unless the customer's really stuck to best practices, and I think we know how often that really happens, um, there's definitely going to be an amount of rework that's going to be required uh, in some areas. Um, so, you know, th- there, are, there are definitely reasons why customers might want to move off an on-premise payroll system, even if it's working well. We've worked with a lot of customers that they want to move. The, they've got a box with SAP HCM and SAP payroll, on, and they want to get rid of that box because they're going to Employee Central. They don't want to keep mm-hmm. a box payroll. Um, when they've done an ROI, it's actually it's actually cost-effective for them to, to do a lift and shift into um, Employee Central payroll. That also gives them an opportunity to do a little bit of payroll transformation. Um, you know, bringing some new features like with the payroll control center, um, you know, to redo a bit of uh, some of the payroll processes that they have that you know could be ten years old, fifteen years old, mm-hmm. even older. Uh, there, you know, we've had other instances where customers acquired a company and they they're already using EC, they're already using EC payroll, um, and they they've just acquired a company that are that, that are on um, SAP on-premise HCM and SAP payroll, and it. We've had one since where a customer, it's, it's only a small population. So they don't want to even change the process. They don't, they don't want to do very much, but they do want to get rid of that box. They do want to get everyone into the same system because it makes sense for them to do that. So there are reasons why customers want to do that. Um, but customers do have to look at it um, and say, hey, you know, what, what realistically is the effort here? What do I really want to achieve from this? Do I want a straight mm-hmm. lift and shift? And and then is that going to is that actually going to be straightforward when you take into account um, the need to implement tools, whether that's SpinFX or FPUs or Accenture software tools, or, or or you know your partner like ISO has proprietary tools or something like that. You know uh, you have to you have to look at uh, look at all of that. Look at you know what about history? You know how much history do you want to take over? How much do you legally have to take over? What's the timing look like? Because also with the U.S. payroll, for example, as as you guys know better than me, um, you need to go live on a on a quarter, and you're unlikely to if you you know if you're using say you know ADP to um, to to pay people or, or uh, for some other services, they don't want you to be going live on the third quarter, right? The beginning yeah. of the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. They're not sure that happens. So these are some of the other complexities you have to take into account when looking at these mm-hmm. things. It's it's never a straightforward lift it up and drop it somewhere else. You know, we had another customer. Yeah, they want to do a lift and shift, and then halfway through the project, uh, they found out. Well, actually, we want to move them into a different GL when we go live. We want to move from the old GL to the new GL. Well, that's not lift and shift. Then that's yeah. some rework required on the GL interface. Okay. Not a huge amount of effort, but it's still it's still some additional work that has to be done on top of the on top of just the the, the, the kind of base cost if you want to if you want to put it that way of the lift and shift process. Sure, those are all great points. I think I would you know my experience I would add on a, a couple of 
things that I talk to customers about. Um, you know, Jarrett, you kind of mentioned this with some of the technical things, but or maybe it was you, Luke. Um, but when you go to Employee Central Payroll, you you can't do implicit enhancements and repairs. That's kind of technical, but what it basically means you can't get real fancy with code changes. And um, you know, a number of my customers are big global companies and complex companies. If they're not big, they're complex. And honestly, to make the payroll work, we had to put in some enhancements. And um, sometimes it's hard to sort of change the payroll process and change the policies and practices within a customer so that you don't have to do those enhancements. And, um, you know, hopefully I've, I've, I've pushed over the years to get, get these enhancements into the standard product and so far not successful on that, but, um, you know, they're, they're fairly common. So those are things that customers sometimes don't um, appreciate. It's just, you know, when you've had those changes in your system, those enhancements, and now you have to live without them, that can be uh, a big change management item. Um, and Jared, you had a great point with, um, you know, the data. So um, sometimes to make payroll interfacing and reporting work, you have to send more data than what you might anticipate. Um, I'm thinking, you know, one of the countries I spend some time with is Brazil. And in Brazil, there's this uh, reporting requirement called eSocial. And it has a lot of payroll data, but it also has a lot of HR data. And to make that work, you've got to pump a lot of extra HR data into the payroll system to make eSocial reporting work if you're using SAP's solution. There's third-party tools to do it too, but um, those are things to take a look at. I think also it, and you know, you guys know this is that once, once you have a, a system live in production, it's harder to change it than um, when you're in a project. So if you're if if you're thinking that well, I'm just going to lift and shift everything now into ECP, and then next year or then over the next two or three years, and I'm going to clean up all my payroll processes and re-engineer that and get it to where I want. You can do that, but uh, it takes a, a lot more effort and change management to do that in a productive system than it would within a project. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, you know, Steve, one thing that jumps out to me is it can be very complex on a lift and change some things to do improvements in one area to sort of decode what was done in the past because I've had some mm -hmm. scenarios where where things just weren't working like I expected and I was starting to go back and I realized you know, there was there were certain rules that were written 20 years ago for this one client. They'd been live on SAP for, for 20 years. And yeah. you know there was a whole series of things that I had never seen before because I would never have set it up that way myself. And so you're sort of that's this one of the challenges on on a on a re on a lift and shift or even even a re-implementation. Either one of those is sort of decoding what has happened in the past. And you know, mm -hmm. one thing I just wanted to let all the listeners be aware of is there's always been you know a skill deficit. I think on a majority of the consultants, that, at least in the U.S., that we're doing payroll. That's why there's been so many payroll failures uh, in North America. I even see that being more the case in employee central payroll because of a couple of reasons. Well, one of them, it's it's a new core HR system. So uh, not that many SAP payroll consultants know employee central. 
first of all, and that's your data system. So you really have to know Employee Central to be a good Employee Central payroll consultant, but also just because of the skill set of Employee Central payroll happens to be very similar to because of the technology stack of what SAP payroll was. And that was already sort of, uh, I would say, poor overall to start with. Mm -hmm. um, I yep. think there's a lot of challenges customers have to be aware of. So I know recently SAP came out with an employee central payroll certification. And I went through what it covers. And it covers some very, very high level basics and the payroll control center. So you could have an employee, you could have a, a consultant that just got their ECP certification. They may not even know what taxes are if, in the U.S. They might not even know what garnishments are. There's no deep knowledge of, of the skills that really you need to be a successful payroll consultant in the certification. And, and a lot of the stuff the certification covers, I'm seeing some customers not even use as part of their implementation, such mm -hmm. as even though we all support it, the payroll control center is not part of all EC payroll projects. Uh, up yeah, and where it I, just, I don't get that, Jared. Why is that? I mean, one of the yeah. best things about Employee Central Payroll is how the Payroll Control Center integrates payroll and EC for workflows and data maintenance and validations, all that stuff. I, I just don't get it. Well, I think I can tell you the two reasons why I've seen is it's cost. So some uh, SIs are adding, you know, two to $300,000 additional cost on if the client goes with the payroll control center. And the other thing is just a lack of knowledge on how to do it. So if you don't know how to do something as a, as a consulting firm, your easiest way to avoid that is just not included in the statement of work. <laughs> it's crazy though, because you're you know you're showing the customers the demos of what they're going to get, and at the end, what they get if they don't want to sign a change order is you know those lovely blue UI uh, UX screens that uh, you and I yeah. saw 25 years ago. Interesting. Um, you know, another thing that um, I try to get my customers to think about is, especially you know when we take EC and ECP together. Um, I say, well, you're spending this time to reimagine your HR department, your HR processes, and you're implementing that into Employee Central. You're not just taking what you did in SAP HCM and lifting and shifting it to Employee Central. You can't do that, first of all. And you don't really want to do that because Employee Central gives you so much more capability and good stuff, right? And you want to use that and you want to uh, put in a platform that's going to take you for the next 10 or 20 years. So why wouldn't you want to do that with your payroll too, right? This is a question for customers to consider is if I implemented my payroll 10, 15, 20 years ago in SAP payroll, and I put just sort of that over lift and shift into ECP, do I want to live with that for another 20, 10 or 20 years like that? Yeah, maybe. Maybe if I really like my payroll, but maybe I should take the time to sort of reimagine how I want to do payroll and take a fresh look at it. And right. that doesn't always mean a re-implementation of everything. Like you said, Jared, you can copy some things over as a basis. But um, this is a great point for payroll departments to also um, sort of emphatically put their foot down and say, you know, we want to take the time to reimagine things and to to redo our payroll in a way that we're going to be happy with for the next 10 or 20 years. 
And, and I do think there's a real ripple effect that I don't think a lot of people always see when they're purchasing or making these decisions is HR and payroll have to come together just like you did 20 years ago. So you want to reimagine HR, but all oh, we want to do a lift and shift to payroll. Well, that doesn't work because all of a sudden, hey, let's change our employee groupings. Let's change our, you know, let's change our location, slash personal yep. area. And you start to change some yep. of that stuff. Oh, wait, how come payroll doesn't work anymore? Well, because the whole foundation of your payroll was based on a on another set of of rules. And so I just don't think that obviously when sales comes in and even consulting firms, when they're trying to sell, they're selling all this stuff, but the budget that you're seeing that they're, you know, they're quoting you the price is, is of a different set of work. And you really, I think you do, you do yourself justice as a customer to get a lot of knowledge on the front end, drink through a fire hose, make sure you sort of have an idea of of where you want to go organizationally and start to think down maybe even into some more technical terms uh, on how that would impact everything, then bring a consulting firm in and then start asking mm. the questions and making sure that all that stuff is included in your statement of work. Because, you know, a lot of cases I see that there's no interfaces in the, in the statement of work. There's no, you know, there's no um, just there's no reporting in the statement of work. There's no there's not a lot of things that really represent what your project's really going to need. And then that's why customers get surprised with how come this project is causing costing one to two to three X what we initially thought. Yeah. So those are all good points about doing that work up front to really get a, a good RFP and requirements put together. But but Luke, I know you and I have looked at some of those together and I can I can say that I don't really see <laughs> RFPs where they say we'd like to reimagine and how we do payroll and we want to change this and do this and and to have more definition to it other than, yeah, we just want to put in employee central payroll. So, I mean, how do, how do you handle that, Luke? I mean, in, in the um, proposal process, what what is, uh, you know, a way that customers could signal to vendors that that's what they want to do? And um, I mean, and, and maybe how should customers respond to questions from um, their providers about things like that? My recommendation would be for customers to look at bringing in somebody, uh, either 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 a consulting firm or uh, an independent contractor, uh, someone like mm-hmm. you or, or for example, to sit down and, and, and actually work out what it is they want to do and translate that into um, a set of requirements, um, and not just bullet points, but actually into um, a description of what it is the customer actually wants to do. Because you're right, mm-hmm. uh, far too often, and this is not just an issue actually with payroll, this, this, is, this is an issue with, with a lot of um, yeah. RFPs, um, is that when customers don't know what they don't know, they end, up, they end up putting out something that doesn't end up reflecting what they want. And that hurts customers uh, in a number of ways. It always, it's always going to mean there'll be an increase in cost, um, an increase mm-hmm. in scope. And it's going to hit their budget, and that's going to upset, possibly upset the customer because they're not going to know, um, maybe maybe how the RFP impacted that, um, and can impact you know what they end up doing after a project's gone live, which you know sometimes can be that they don't want to buy anything else. Uh, it's SAP. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a number of impacts from from customers not not getting the RFP right. Um, so I, they. Customers should always be looking at bringing somebody in. It should be someone that understands the the technology. 
Um, mm-hmm. And understand the process, right? You, you know, you don't yeah. want to be looking at bringing a generic like uh, maybe a McKinsey or somebody that understands process really well, can help you know, restructure your HR really well. You need to bring someone that knows that technology and knows how to link it to what it is you're doing and what it is that you want to do so that you're able to send out an RP. It doesn't just say, yeah, we want to do payroll um, and we have 3,000 employees in the U.S. and we have a U. That doesn't tell the whole story. You know, if a customer, right. it, also the customer needs to be educated because, as Jarrett rightly points out, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, companies out there. They get they get people working on RPs that don't understand the product. Um, they might understand mm-hmm. payroll, but they might understand SAP on-premise payroll and be like, well, you know, it's the same, so we can do it. Not realizing that a big part of employees into payroll is the payroll control center and is that point-to-point integration. And that there are certain limitations, like there's no organizational management in the employee central mm-hmm. payroll system. Right? The, yeah. These are fundamental aspects that um, the, 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 the consulting partner that don't know about it, the customer are not going to find out about it. So that's why it's a good idea to bring in real experts that know this stuff that can help educate them so that they know when they get the responses back, you know, why responses might be different, what responses are missing key aspects. And also, mm-hmm. why is this one cheap and this one not so cheap? Because sometimes mm-hmm. they might just think, well, this is a shift. I'll just go with the cheap one then. Not knowing that, yeah, it's cheaper because it doesn't include payroll control center or the, the partner didn't ask the right questions, so they didn't get the right answers, and you didn't know to give them the right um, information because you didn't know what you didn't know. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of these things. And, again, this is not payroll-specific so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's something that customers really have to do because you can't, uh, you know, you can't um, go into something like this, something as critical, as an important to your organization as this, um, blindly, and just accepting uh, blindly whatever is given to you in proposals. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, this happens, some of the most reputable uh, brand names in the market, these, these are not always the best implementation partners, and they're not always going to give you what's in your best interest. And, you know, uh, the, the, there's a, a customer I'm aware of uh, that, that, that uh, Jarrett also knows that you know they work their SAP professional services and they missed out a lot of critical stuff from their SOW and when the customer figured it out they suddenly realised they had a big bill to pay to actually get some of the core functionality of the payment yeah. system. Yeah, let me uh, give that's it's a I think it's a great point, Luke, and let me give you like a real world example of just what customers have to be on the lookout for. You see a bunch of demos that only show you the payroll control center. So do you need it spelled out in your statement of work? Yes, because I've seen a major mm-hmm. guy came at the end of the day and said, oh, that's going to be $150,000 more because you don't, we, we, you don't have in your SI, in your statement of work, that we are going to deliver the payroll control center. Also, during those same early, you know, when they're selling the software, they said garnishments came delivered. So there's a little line in the statement of work that said any garnishment rules will be extra. Well, if you want to put minimum wage in a system with how SAP is delivered, you need a garnishment rule. So that was so a change order. Tax, mm-hmm. Taxes are delivered by BSI was the only statement, which means tax models are extra. Well, every single change you make is in a tax model. So 
it's just one of those things that I've had a few situations where where I've reviewed, you know, uh, RFPs beforehand. I mean, RFPs like uh, what the consulting firm gives back, and then I've I've went mm-hmm. and tweaked a lot of the specific wording. And always what it comes back later on afterwards is, oh, that's going to cost a lot more based off your changes. Well, the changes are things <laughs> that I know that you are going to need that are part of every implementation. So keep in mind that anything you're signing, if you don't have that base knowledge as a customer, is probably going to be in the best interest of the consulting firm and protect them. Now, that said, I know firms like Luke and some stuff that some other sort of uh, more niche providers is they work with their customers. Oh, that's a change. Okay. That's a major change. Yes, that should be a change order. But if it's on the thing where, hey, that's only going to take me an hour or two to, to make that change, even though it is not written that way, I'll just do it because I'm, in, I'm interested in having a good relationship in, in doing what's right. And, and that's the gray area that I've seen between some of the firms that are you know, getting the the high ratings on the firm uh, uh, on Raven Intel versus the ones that are getting low ratings. Mm. Yeah, the typical RFP process is just broken for these scenarios, I think. So we've we've talked at this point about a lot about lift and shift and about some of the things you want to do to fine tune that, that you might not expect have to be added on. But um, what are the cases where we would say, you know, you should just re-implement? Uh, I can think of uh, one of my oldest customers, active customers, that I started with in 1998 and early days of SAP payroll. And I didn't do the implementation, but I got to go in afterwards and clean up and stabilize. And what a mess. And there's no way that I would want them to just lift that stuff to employee central payroll. And I think that they understand that now too. So to me, that would be a, a great, way to um, a great lever sort of to re-implement and streamline everything and get them to a, a better state. So, um, Jarrett, what, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you have a tool set that's going to help you with the lift and shift, then, and there's, I think there's very few cases that, that re-implementation would make sense. I mean, even in your example that you had, Steve, there, I guess the question would be is, where is there diminishing returns? And so mm-hmm. if it's really that bad, I still, you maybe you do the course of a re-implementation, but as a customer, you have to be smart and you have to say, hey, we have stuff that's working. Yeah, okay, we don't want to bring over the schema maybe because it has so many unique things to it, but our wage types are paying people correctly. We want to bring that over. So don't, so that's just as simple as having, you know, um, that work effort for a consulting firm should be very minimal. And typically, it would be very complex on a new implementation. It shouldn't be that complex because you should be able to take the, the code that's there and just very quickly cut and paste. Uh, not, not cut and paste. You'll have the values <laughs> on one side versus the other and bring uh-huh. that information over. So make sure you leverage what is working for you today because even on that disaster implementation you spoke about, Steve, they're still paying people correctly out of that system today. So it's working. It's just a question of let's take the good of what's working and, and let's let's re you know let's um, let's anything we need to fix let's do that. But under both of these circumstances, don't feel like you don't have to do the robust testing. You have to still do yeah. two parallel runs. You have to still test with all your vendors. You have to do all those things. You're changing your core HR system. You're bringing in a new payroll system at the end of the day. So and all it takes is as everyone here on this uh, call knows, it only takes one or two issues. And you have a disaster in your organization. So 
understand the understand the risk, understand the complexity, bring in your best and brightest on the team, hire the best and brightest that are going to be working with you. If you have a dud, you hire someone incorrectly, cut 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 that person very quickly. Don't yeah. if, if they're if they, if, they can't speak, yeah. if they can't speak to you in payroll terms and they're talking a lot of technical mumbo jumbo, they're probably not a good consultant at the end of the day. So the best payroll consultants can talk <laughs> payroll with the payroll manager and they can talk uh, the technical stuff with the technical team. Yep. Yep, exactly. I was going to say what if they can do both? So, <laughs> um yeah, you know, there's no shortcuts, right? I think that's what we're trying to say here is the accelerators are good. Um but in the end, there aren't any shortcuts to a good project. You still have to go through and determine um, where you're at, where you want to be, and the work to get you from one point to the other. So, um, you know, this has been a great conversation, guys. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate it. This is, I think, a really important topic in the industry. Um, hopefully, we've uh, shed some light on it for people. Um, hopefully, we've brought more order than, than chaos, and we've made it less confusing doesn't mean that the uh, decisions are any easier probably we made them more complicated but um it's always better to be realistic about this um you know especially with payroll it's something that uh like i've said before it's not it doesn't give a company a strategic advantage but it does have strategic importance because if you don't pay people correctly on time then bad things happen and uh, so the best payroll is the one you never hear about because that means it was correct and on time. And that's what we want. So Jarrett, Luke, guys, thanks for your uh, perspective on this. Appreciate it. Um, we'll be back uh, within a couple of weeks, I think, with uh, another new podcast. And hopefully uh, people will enjoy that too. And uh, it won't be about payroll. It'll be about something else. I'll just say that. Oh, Steve, I just wanted to yeah. chime in on one more thing is all our sure. listeners should uh, um, Success Connect this year is going to be a virtual event. Um, it's happening October 6th. Um, oh, yeah. Go out on the just search it on Google. I think you, some, many will be getting a communication from success factors as well. But if you're an on-premise customer, this is a great opportunity for you to, I call it, get some cloud religion or at least hear what success factors is offering. And it'll just get your brain thinking about you know, some of, some of the uh, digital transformation maybe that you want to do in your organization and, and what makes sense. But I'd highly recommend for all SAP line of business customers to take that day, block it on your calendar and, and listen to what Success Factors has to say. Yeah, good point, Jarrett. Thanks for doing that. All right, team. Thanks for the time. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And to all of our listeners, thanks for listening. And we'll be back at you in a couple of weeks.